Pittsburgh Steelers fans, hey, hey, what is going on? It is Wednesday night, which means it's time to get to know your enemy. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. The guy usually in this seat is our very good friend Michael Beck, and he is a little bit under the weather tonight. Too much fun north of the border for the holiday for Mr. Beck. But we've got the guy who knows so much and a guy I love to just ask questions to uh, the king of the cutting room floor. His name is Jeffrey Benedict GB. What is going on, my friend? Not much, man. Having, having a good time. Loving the, I love the week between Christmas and new year's. Just one of my favorite times of the year. Had great weather today. Got to go outside, do some stuff. It's, I've been having a great time. It was nice here in Maryland as well. And I have got to say that, this is my favorite week too. I take off this week and we're uh we're still we still have people over at the house right now as we speak. I just snuck in. I just snuck in the back and uh, go ahead and do the show, but this when I was a kid, one of the great things about the week between Christmas and New Year's, of course, you got to play with all your stuff, you were home from school, but it was visiting. And everybody had the really cool spreads out, and there's there's so many fun things to do, and uh, we're do we're doing it still. We're we're doing it now. So we had some people at our house tonight, um, but we were out last night and way past my wife's bedtime. It was like midnight when we got home, and that doesn't happen that much anymore. <laughs> so it was it was so much fun. We were just playing board games with a, with a couple other families and. And I, yeah, I just love this time of year. I, I am missing the white stuff. Love to see some snow, but that's no problem. We're, it's still good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I can't, it's not, it's not winter yet. I don't know. It's, it's weird anymore. It seems like winter starts in like February. It's, it's strange, but it's been nice. It's been nice to be able to get outside and do stuff. I went, took my son out with uh, his uncle and we went disc golfing. It was, he had a great time. You know, um, we got my kids, we got them sleds, and I don't know when they're going to get to use them, <laughs> but that's okay. That, that's okay. We, we're we going to find, there's so many other things to play with too. So with that being said, the big thing that's going to be going on this week, it's Browns week. And I love Browns week because I love talking about those guys because they've become the team that I abhor even more than the team in Maryland, which I live in Maryland. And yeah. I have, uh, I mean, you've got the purple Browns, but you've got the original Browns. And I, I'm going to say this. I still abhor the Ratbirds. I I don't have a problem. If your name's Harbaugh, I've, I've got a problem with you. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, even the, the Harbaugh family dog is pro probably has worms um, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. But there's something special to hate about the Browns again because I can't stand Baker Mayfield, and I'm not having a problem <laughs> watching watching uh, these struggles over the past couple weeks. And uh, Miles Garrett is not my friend either. So we've got so many things to talk about here. So I'm excited to do that. I, I'm seeing in the live chat, hey, sorry you live in Maryland. Now, I'm a Johnstown boy. I was born in, in uh, what I call Western PA. Some people have tried to dispute me on that. But I'm a Johnstown kid, and I grew up with the Pennsylvania winners and uh, grew up with the Steelers. So that week before Christmas and, and New Year's, there was always a Steeler game, too. And it was always uh, something special. So when those Browns came to town or vice versa, you always knew it was going to be crazy no matter – throughout the records, it didn't matter. But this means postseason for both teams, Jeffrey. So – one thing that we always do on this show, GB, we, we have a guest. Yep. Our Browns guest pulled out in the 8 o'clock hour. So not a lot of time for us to go ahead and find a replacement. Um, not a lot of people have have uh, you know Browns insiders like uh, in their – gosh, we don't even have Rolodexes anymore – in their cell phones. So uh, – our Browns expert tonight is the very own GB Jeffrey Benedict. Are you up to the task? I will. I will do my best. Hey, I will we do we, my best. We had a Browns expert on last year that I think you were 
I think you knew more than she did. <laughs> so it's possible. I, there's, I, there's, I, we've had, we've had some guests that have been in that category that I'm like, you, do you, do you watch your own team? But most of them are good. Most of them are good. Yeah, they're, they're really good. This, this year they've been incredible. They, they actually have been. Yeah. So I, I will say that we do have to grab a super chat here. His name is Sean Manahan. You know him because he is one of the mainstays in the live chat. We love Sean. If Canada is still in the booth calling those dumbass plays, so we didn't swear because they're Z's. Z's always make things better. Dumbass <laughs> plays like he did on that four and one, and our offense stays stuck, may turn off the game by the half. You know, we don't have that luxury. Thanks for the $5, Sean. That's the thing. We can't we can't turn it off no matter how bad it is, can we, Jeffrey? No, no, we gotta we gotta watch all the way through. Especially you guys have to do the post game show. You can't like. There's been a couple of times for family matters I've missed the game, uh, and and both of them I was pretty glad I I, I got lucky on a couple of uh, two games, uh, and I, I was just like, Woof, I didn't see the end of I didn't see that one, and I came home, but I still had to watch it. I still got to watch it like the four or five times I watch it every week like a crazy person. Uh, but it's often nice to, it's, it's sometimes it's nice to kind of be able to look at the score and then watch the game. So I, I'm watching it more dispassionately. The first time I watched the game, people, I'll watch the game and people ask me like, Oh, what, what was going on with what player? I'm like, I don't know. First time I watched the game, I'm emotionally into the game. I'll try and watch like, I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to watch the offensive line. I, I end up not being able to watch the off. I'm just watching everything and going yelling at the television more than anything else. You know what? That's uh, that's true. My problem is, you know, when you do that post game show, you're like, yeah, I need to go back and look at it. Now, Dave Schofield likes to go back and look at the all twenty two. He likes to like study it after the first initial watch. So it's it's kind it's kind of uh, tough. So I like to go back and do it, and I'm the kind of person that I'll like to play back the play like three or four times to check everything out. And yep. now I can't really do that anymore either, but I love having an opportunity to talk, talk to people every day. And it gets my family off the hook. They don't have to listen to me, uh, <laughs> listen to me, just go on and on about like, like Robert Mullen says, what does Derek Watt do? <laughs> like, like, I've said that to him. I'm like, you know, I don't even know what Derek Watt does. And they're like, what, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think he got like six snaps again. He, he, Yeah. He does a lot on special teams. I love what he does on special teams. And yeah, he's, that, he's very good there. That can't be discounted, what he, what he does on special teams. But I digress. We are here <laughs> to talk about – we're here to talk about this game with the Cleveland Browns. And before we get into the Browns lineup and, and who we're going to be looking at, I've got this question for you. Okay. Who's more desperate this weekend, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Cleveland Browns, or is the desperation factor absolutely even? Yeah, I, I'm going to say it's even. I mean, seven, seven, and one is better than seven and eight, but both these teams, all, all four teams in the AFC North, I believe can end up in first or last place in our division over the next two weeks. Like, it's that close. The Browns are in last place. They can make it to first. The Steelers are in, like, we're third. We're just ahead of the Browns. We can win this division still. It's so close. And yet, bottoming out is so close, too. To sit there and look at a team and say, okay, in the next two weeks, you have a chance to win the division or come in fourth in the division. That's big, and that's that's desperation. I think the Steelers are there because they they know – this is a big season for Ben Roethlisberger. They also hear all the criticism this team has gotten. There are some there are some uh, coordinators and position coaches that are probably playing for their – they're coaching for their jobs right now, and there are players that are playing to keep their jobs. Some of these young guys on the offensive line, are, are we going to bring in veteran next year, veterans next year and replace them? That's going to be their last chance to, to try and, you know, stake their claim to a job next year is these last two games. Ben Roethlisberger, he's got all the incentive in the world to win these games. But at the same time, you go to Cleveland, man. Baker Mayfield's playing to be like like there's people talking the Cleveland Browns should draft another quarterback and give up on Baker Mayfield altogether. 
this is like this is what they have left. This is the chance they have. They were supposed to be a Super Bowl team. They could still end up last place in the AFC North, and that's incredible. So I think I think this is super desperate for both teams. I, I think this is going to be a playoff atmosphere. I hope fans. I know I know there's a lot of anger among the fan base for how the team has been playing and some of the struggles on the Steelers, but I, I hope Steinfeld Field is absolutely rocking for this game because this is a playoff game. I, I said it. I don't know how you feel about this, Brian. I said on my uh, on my cutting room floor. To me, this is the Super Bowl of the season now. Like I don't. I, I like. I don't know. I think if it was some point during the Kansas City game, I just kind of gave up on any hope of a playoff run, anything like that. And I now it's just you know what? Let's let's beat Cleveland. Let's let's get this win. Let's not let it fall that bad. That even when we're at our worst. We're we're better from that than that team from Cleveland. We're better than the Browns. How do you feel about that, Brian? I I absolutely feel the same way. You know, yesterday was the sixth anniversary of me going to a Steelers Ravens game, and I think the Ravens were were uh, five and nine at the time. It was like week fifteen, and they were like five and nine. They had two games to go, and the Steelers were going to the playoffs. And well, it was 2015. The Steelers were definitely going to the playoffs there. And what happened was the Steelers lost that game. They, it was the Ryan Mallett game. But for yeah. those fans and for that team, beating Pittsburgh was the, the high point of their season. So I get that. So you always want to go ahead and beat those guys in the division. It's killing me that the Steelers have lost three straight to Cincinnati. And there's a part of me that's yeah. saying, hey, can you get in the playoffs and end up with a game against the Bengals. I mean, that would be great. You know, you would almost want something like that to see what you can do. There's a lot of people that are still saying that, you know, the Steelers, I mean, why are you even talking about it? They're even if they somehow find a way into the playoffs and they're not going to, and then that's, that's what I'm reading a lot and hearing a lot. I mean, why would you even want them to go at this point? Yeah. This is something I want to talk to you about at this point. The draft pick is doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what whether you win those last two or, or lose those last two. The draft pick is going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack. It, of course, it's going to be it's going to be better if you lose the last two. But come on, we can't root for them. And if you're in the live chat right now, you have enough pride in this team and you love this team that that uh, you have some kind of uh, attachment to them. So you're hanging out watching it. Now, you mentioned something earlier about players playing for their football lives. And there's guys playing for their football lives. A guy like Isaiah Bugs is playing for his Pittsburgh football life if he plays. You know, guys like mm -hmm. that. I mean, a Marcus Allen is playing for his football life. And those guys do that. And every time we say, well, hey, you should tank. Like the tank for Tua stuff with Miami, you know, two years ago. And just the, the thing with the, with the Steelers too is those players don't want to tank for a draft pick because that might be somebody taking their job and pushing them off the team. So there's never tanking for a draft, a draft pick unless the organization shuts things down. So, so you can kind yeah. of do that. And, and the organization doesn't do that either. No. Um, the revenue from getting into the playoffs and if if the planets align just right, Steelers could get that four seed in a home game, which would be, it seems inconceivable, but if the planets align just right, and in that situation, we are rooting for the, the Steelers to beat the Browns this week, but we're rooting for Kansas City, who we were against last week, and we're rooting for them to beat Cincinnati and this team that we're trying to beat this week, we're going to be the biggest Browns fans next week. I might even have a Baker Mayfield jersey on if something <laughs> happens. If something happens that we need the we as Steeler fans need the Browns to beat the Bengals. So there, there's funny things. I mean, it could happen. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen based on based on what we saw against Kansas City. So that's my question for you before we get into the players. Is there anything that you saw from that Steelers 
versus Chiefs game in Missouri on the 26th on Boxing Day where the Steelers got knocked out. I love saying that. Um, (laughs) I hate the fact that I have to say it, but I mean, I love the pun. But all all I'm saying here is what kind of hope do you have based on that performance? Or is it the roller coaster that's the Steelers that are making you feel a little more positive? I, I'm not taking too much out of that Kansas City game. I'm really not. Just like, you know, I'm not ta- I didn't take too much away from the Cincinnati Bengals game where they got absolutely stomped. Uh, TJ Watt was not himself. Devin Bush was out. And I know I know people are down on Devin Bush for his, his run defense struggles, but he's still a top – he's still a much better coverage linebacker than anyone else we have. He's, he's by far the best on the team. And the, the Chiefs – with their speed, really kind of push the safeties back. We, we we keep putting Terrell Edmonds up in the box to solve problems. We couldn't do that this time. Terrell Edmonds was back in zone because you've got to play too deep against Kansas City. You can't face, you know, uh, Hardeman and, and Hill and, and go single high safety. Patrick Mahomes will destroy you. So a lot of our problem-solving angles weren't there. We had Spillane and Schobert getting, getting kind of torn up by the running backs, they it, it was a very interesting opponent for the Steelers because they were able to exploit some of the some of the things we've been trying to avoid with how we rotate players. For example, if if people listen to my show or here, you know that the Steelers put Arthur Millett as their nickel back, but he doesn't play in dime. He plays the slot in nickel, and then in dime, it's Cameron Sutton and, and uh, Trey Norwood playing inside in the slot that works because of their skill sets but the the chiefs were able to put the steelers into nickel by keeping their tight end uh, a blocking tight end and their running back in to be like if you go dime we'll just run on you right we'll run down your throats uh and when the steelers went to nickel they would put arthur millette you know into a dime situation into a into a more dime situation where he's in zone He's having to do switches. He has having to do things he's not as comfortable with. He's much better a man coverage guy. It it was really crazy what the Chiefs were able to to do to exploit kind of the patches the Steelers coaches have put on this defense to keep it going this year. Uh, so I don't take too much away. If we can get Devin Bush back, that'll help a lot. But mostly, Cleveland and Baltimore don't have the weapons to do what the chiefs did. Neither of them have the deep ball, you know, prowess. Neither of them have those kind of Tyree kill receivers is they're not the same threat uh, that the chiefs are. And I don't think that that either of them are going to be able to do to the Steelers defense, what the chiefs uh, were able to do to the Steelers defense. Oh, we lost your audio. Yes, I did. <laughs> There's some chicanery in the background with the dogs and kids and everything. So um, usually Wednesday nights, I'm uh, I'm involved in the chicanery. So uh, <laughs> let me pull out an old staple here: Factor Fiction. All right. And this is a show that that I one the first podcast I ever did on BTSC. I uh, did that with Zach Parnes way back in 2016. And it was called Factor Fiction. And we do some Factor Fiction here and there. So I'm going to, I'm just going to throw out one. And I just want to hear Factor Fiction from you. And I think you kind of alluded to this. So that's why I'm bringing it up. Okay. The Steelers are catching the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens at the best possible juncture of the 2021 season. Well, the Browns are close, but I think last week would have been better. They're getting some good players back from the COVID list uh, for this game. But, yeah, they're not playing well right now, especially their offense. Their defense is still basically the same defense they've had, but their offense is not playing nearly as well. And, and we can get into this specifically a little later uh, about Baker Mayfield and what's causing him problems. But – yeah, I'd say the Steelers are catching Cleveland at almost the right time, pretty close to the right time. They're catching them when Cleveland's in a bad spot, uh, and they're definitely going to be hitting the Ravens when the Ravens are in a really bad spot. I mean, the Ravens are just really bad right now. I'm glad that you were able to clear that up. So let's go ahead and do a couple live chat 
super chats here. Sean Manahan, he's given us $5. He's given us our Christmas bonus here. We could absolutely win the division if, and that's all caps, we had an offensive play caller that didn't pull the same old crap that doesn't work all season long. Hashtag insanity. And, you know, I know the play calling has been something that has been shaking heads. You even mentioned the fourth and one. I maybe no actually you did not mention the yeah. the fourth and one right. sean also gives us another five it's just sad to say likely scenario steelers beat browns chiefs beat Bengals, browns beat Bengals, and Steelers lose at ratbirds eight eight and one well that would be no good but uh that's that's a scenario too and but like jeffrey just said about the ratbirds aka the baltimore ravens you know they're they seem to be more of a broken team than the Cleveland Browns right now, but we're going to talk about them next week. What we're going to talk about right now is the quarterback situation for both teams. And what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about the Steelers first. And the quarterback situation, everybody's talking about it. I'm not talking about it. It doesn't mean that, that uh, I'm completely convinced that Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back but i don't know if it's as cut and dry as everybody think it thinks it is but do you feel that the talk about this being ben's last primetime game at home and last game at home possibly is almost a rallying cry is almost uh you know something to cover up the warts and uh get people excited uh, and uh even uh pump up ben a little bit too Jeffrey? I, I think it definitely can do that. Uh, one thing I find interesting, we all know, we kid and we joke around about Ben Roethlisberger and the amount of drama he creates with some of the, the way he says things. And his like like how he approaches injuries and he's like, oh, my arm nearly fell off, but it's okay. I threw eight touchdowns, you know. Uh, he he kind of does those things. And a lot of it's tongue in cheek. But one of my favorite things was when someone asked him about him telling He's, they said something like, uh, have you really, you know, they've been saying you, you're basically, you've told everyone that this is your final season and you're done after this season. And Ben Roethlisberger's response was, I haven't told everyone. Like, he just doesn't answer the question. You know, they're trying to find out, hey, is this your last season? He's like, well, I didn't tell everyone. Well, does that mean you didn't tell everyone because you're not retiring? Or does that mean you are retiring, but you didn't tell literally everyone? Like, there's a guy in the corner you didn't tell. That's Ben Roethlisberger. He, kind of, he he builds that drama. I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just his way, you know, like he the way he talks just leads to that. But I don't know if it's his last. No one really knows if this is it. And I But I think fans kind of see the writing on the wall. Uh, he does not have a contract through next season. This is it. This is his last year. And they do have the cap going up. They could absorb that dead cap hit. It's not nearly what it would have been this past season. Uh, people forget he saved the Steelers 15 million on a low cap year, saved them 15 million against the cap by coming back this season. That was huge. They, they, they needed him to, uh, we'll see if he plays again, but man, the atmosphere for this game is going to be crazy. I really hope it does kind of spur the Steelers, especially the defense, the other players on offense, the offensive line. I hope it spurs it to be like, Hey, you know, let's win this for Ben. And I hope the the Heinz Field should be crazy. It should be great. Let's uh, let's you know. I I hope that's enough. I would I would love to see a win here. I'd love to see Ben sweep the Browns after what they the after how bad that playoff game was last year. How horrible that was. Seeing him cry on the bench and how much Cleveland fans adored that and you know put that all over everywhere every chance they get. Uh, I'd love to see him sweep the Browns in his final season here. And you're knocking out the Browns if you beat the Browns. Too. Yeah, straight and out of the playoffs. You're done. That's you're ending their season, and that is something that would be absolutely phenomenal for this team and for Ben as well. I'm sure he does. I'm not going to write the Ben story. I want Ben to write the story. I like how Steelers Pittsburgh says Ashley will tell Ben when to retire. Ashley, of course, being his wife. So, you know, th that's the thing. I used to work for uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car 
and we used to hire these guys as drivers they were senior citizens they were retired guys and they these guys were the the best people ever they were my favorite employees in fact i went to a couple steeler games with one of the guys i mean they were they were like an extra grandpa you know it was was just it was so fun and what happened is they would retire they'd be out six months they would do the entire honeydew list and the wife was like begging them to get out of the house. <laughs> it's one of those things. So you never know if, uh, I, you know, there was, there was talk about, about uh, Philip rivers wanting to come back this year. So, you know, that retirement thing is hard on these guys when, when you're a 39 year old dude and, and you still think you've got so much left and we saw some really good things out about Ben, but, the offensive line hasn't been been solid. So we will be talking about that as well. And I do want to go ahead and uh, bring up Monster 19, 499 from Monster. And I'm a big fan of Monster just because he looks like the happiest dude in his avatar there. He's <laughs> just smiling. He's like, hey, what's up, dudes? Can finally afford to go to a game in Pittsburgh. We might stink, but I'll be screaming for Ben to flush the Browns one more time. Monster, have a good time at that game. And I know... If I'm not mistaken, Big Brosco will be there. And two other guys are going to be there. The cast of What Yin's Talking About is going to be there. So that's uh, wow. all the way from L.A. They are going to be there. So uh, you guys need to look up uh, Big Bro- BBS and uh, and the Yinzers there. That would, that would be great. Um, Monster, have a great time at the game, and thanks for the $4.99. So let's talk about... Let's go ahead and talk about Baker Mayfield. Is Ben still a better quarterback than Baker Baker Mayfield at this point? Yes, he is. He, he, the only, the only time Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger is when Nick Chubb is his running back. And that's really it. That's it. When that offensive line is healthy and they're blocking well for Baker Mayfield and he has Nick Chubb as his running back, it doesn't matter. He whatever he does is golden because he has all day. The other team has to jam the run the box for the run. He can throw he, he, everything's open. Everything's open. You can do play action and nine people are crashing the line of scrimmage hoping to stop Nick Chubb. That's when Baker Mayfield's great. Uh, I, I've said it before. The like when Baker Mayfield is good a good quarterback, it's because of Nick Chubb. It, it's not so much Baker Mayfield is great. It's Nick Chubb makes everything Baker Mayfield does easier. Uh, and I, I definitely think Ben Roethlisberger is a better quarterback than, than, than Baker Mayfield, even when Baker Mayfield's healthy. Uh, and right now Baker Mayfield is terrible. Baker Mayfield is absolutely terrible. If you look at his stats and you look at the, the, the Brown season since week 10 uh, against new England, so he's had a couple of injuries. I think he got hurt that game or the or before that game, one of the two. But that, they're coming off that Cincinnati game where they absolutely stomp the Bengals, and everyone's like, "Whoa, like what's going on?" Like the Browns, the Browns are finally looking like a good team. They go, they get stomped by New England, and since that game, Baker Mayfield's mechanics have gone downhill. And to me, it looks like a case where he's had some nagging injuries. And, and, you know, if your knee's hurting, you kind of favor, you kind of, you know, favor that knee, you kind of shift weight to the other knee. You know, if you got an elbow hurting, you change your mechanics a little bit. And it looks like Baker Mayfield has altered his mechanics a bit to adjust for injuries. And it's just thrown his entire game off it is what it looks like to me. I've, I've read some other reports on it. I've read some guys breaking it down, doing really good jobs. He's not playing quarterback well. He's just he's he's making throws off the wrong feet. He's he's turning wrong. He's got he's got false movements in his arm and his release. Everything. It's it's just his mechanics are gone. They are absolutely trash right now, and that's gonna make it hard for him to have any kind of success and have and and it shows in his numbers. He just you know he threw four interceptions. They should have beaten Green Bay. Absolutely should have beaten Green Bay. I mean when you you have four turnovers and you lose by two points. That's, that's crazy. They, they absolutely uh, should have won that game, but Baker Mayfield just kept throwing it away with bad mechanics. I don't think that's the kind of thing you can fix in a week. You know, I don't think they can. Let me ask you this though. 
I've noticed, are we being way too tough on Baker Mayfield? Because he's hurt. He has not, yeah, he he is. Has not been healthy all season. Do you yeah. think that, that these interceptions and the mechanics being off are a byproduct of the injury? And it's uh, it, almost like, let's take a look at 2018 Chris Boswell. Give him yeah. a give him a chance to heal and come back. And is this a better quarterback next year after he gets a chance to heal? Because we we've seen some things in this guy. We have seen some him look pretty fantastic at times too, but not in 2021. So are we jumping too fast on the Baker sucks bandwagon? I know, you know, Jeff Hartman built the bandwagon, <laughs> and Dave He's Scott been on built- it for a while. And Dave Schofield says, and I I just don't like him because I think he's, uh, I think he's a fake and I hate his commercials and, and uh, I'm I'm just not a fan of the guy ever since planting the, uh, planting the flag in the field. And I know you, you, I know we can go back to the fact that, that Devin Bush did it too. And I get it. But all I'm saying is I've never been a Baker Mayfield fan. And I was actually excited when the Browns took him. But I've seen some brilliance in the guy, too. All I'm saying is, with all of this and the fact that it's the Steelers, how up do you think he's going to be for this game? I think I think he is going to be – he's going to be pumped for this game. He's kind of that guy, though. He's kind of that emotional leader. He's always – he seems always fired up about something. He's always got something he, he's, he's going off about. Uh which leads to a lot of his dumb comments, I think, is he he's more emotional than than you know cognitive. He's he's more emotional than rational. And and he plays that way on the field too, at times, where he gets kind of he pushes things too far instead of just playing smart. Uh, which is which is something we've seen Ben Roethlisberger grew as a quarterback, where instead of running around and trying to make big plays every play, he would take the checkdowns, he'd take the 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 smart passes. Uh, Baker could become that quarterback. I think he's going to be better regardless uh, next year when he's when he's healthy, if they give him time to be healthy. But for this game, I do expect him to be fired up. He understands what this game means to Cleveland's season. Uh, going, turning this around, getting to eight and eight with a chance to have a winning record, uh, not getting swept by Pittsburgh, beating Ben Roethlisberger in Heinz Field again. These are these are things that matter, especially to that fan base. And if if you want to be the quarterback going forward, and you want to have a good you know fan base behind you, you've got to you've got to step up and play good in this game. I don't I don't know if he can. Uh, another thing we saw is in the Green Bay game for some reason they kept leaning on Baker Mayfield even as he was playing poorly. They they weren't running the ball. They kind of got away from the run a little bit more than he than they really should have. They they you're that far into the game. You really need to keep pounding the ball. And they kept going three wide receiver sets uh against Green Bay, which they don't do well out of and Baker doesn't do well out of. I, I it's it was a very confusing game. It was very interesting to see that they they've got more than just Baker Mayfield. Uh Kevin Stefanski shows a lot of promise as a coach, but there's some growing pains there too, and and some of his offensive decisions, some of his you know overarching strategies for games just don't seem to line up and make sense. I do expect uh, the Browns to play more heavier sets, which is where Baker is at his best. Those you know those one wide receiver sets with two or three tight ends and a, or a fullback, he does great in those, uh, and those have been the big weakness of the Pittsburgh Steelers because of our defensive line situation. So I expect them to be putting him in better situations than they did against Green Bay simply because that's what you want to run against the Steelers right now is extra offensive linemen and extra tight ends and just get as big as you can and attack our defensive line. So I do expect they'll put him in better situations, and he he could have a much better game against the Steelers, uh, and he needs to for this team, to for the Browns to have a chance to beat the Steelers. Absolutely. You know, he might even be auditioning because I'm going to break the Yinzer net right now. I am not going to be surprised if he is signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers next season and number six is playing for Pittsburgh. (laughs) What would we all do if that happened? 
and oh, never say man. never, but never, but never say it because it could happen. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Although, honest, he. Oh gosh, you're killing my brain. He would. He would fit a lot of what Matt Canada wants to do, but it's the same stuff Stefanski. I don't think the Steelers would go with Baker. I think they know his limitations too well to do that. So let's move on from Baker. I, I just had yeah. to do that. <laughs> so oh, man. no one, you know, says Nick Chubb is amazing. And man, I'm going to say that that comment is completely wrong because it's not in all caps. Amazing <laughs> needs to be in all caps. Jeffrey yeah. Benedict is Nick Chubb the best running back in the National Football League, or at least the AFC, because I think he is very close. Besides a Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry is you know as good as Henry is, as much stats as he puts up, I might take a Nick Chubb over Derrick Henry uh, because Derrick Henry is a guy who needs the right kind of offense. You've got to they they build that offense to fit what he does best. Uh, they've learned that he he didn't do the best right off the bat when he first came into the league. He wasn't, you know, what he is now at all. They worked to build that team around him and to to put him in the best situation to run the way he runs best. Nick Chubb is just absolutely phenomenal. He he is an absolute beast. I man, him and him and uh, the the young kid Taylor from the Colts. That they're to me the best two running backs in the NFL. Uh, and and I, I might take Nick Chubb over Jonathan Taylor. I might take him. He's he's that good. He is an absolutely phenomenal running back. Love what he does, all phases of the game. He's just an absolute beast. Nick Chubb is is fantastic. They found a way to stop Chubb before. Now Chubb still earned a lot of yards in that game back in I believe it was week six, if I'm not mistaken, or week seven, week eight. Actually, officially week eight. It was the seventh game. October 31st on Halloween, they stopped Nick Chubb the best they possibly could and won that game. But man, it's going to be hard to do that twice in one season. What does this team do to stop Nick Chubb? And is he their greatest offensive asset? Yeah, he's absolutely the Browns' greatest offensive asset. He is the player the Steelers have to account for the most. And how the Steelers, how the Steelers defend the run uh, with this with this line that at any time can get blown off the ball. Uh, what you're seeing the Steelers have success with is when they finally get a first down stop, carrying that into a second down stop. And I I see that on film a lot. That's where this defense has survived is when they do get a two-yard game, when they limit someone to a two-yard game on first down, or they get a tackle for a loss or, or no gain. Any of those runs where it's the, they run on first down and it's nothing, they get that stop on second down. Whereas oftentimes, you know, you're getting a, a six-yard run on first down. The Steelers give up those conversions. Those are That's going to turn into a new set of downs almost every time. But when they do get that rare defensive stop, they can end a drive. And that's that's the key to facing the Browns is get enough stops on first and second down to 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 end a drive. You know, you don't have to you don't have to stuff every run. Obviously, we'd love for that to be the case. We'd love for the Steelers to be a team like they normally are that stuffs the run, but without Alu Alu, without to it, without Vince with Vince Williams gone, with with Devin Bush injured half the season, like this, this is not that team. This really isn't that team right now that can do that. But when we do get a first down stop, turn it into a second down stop, get that defense on the field in third and eight, they can they can still get it done there. Uh, the other thing is goal line. Don't don't let them get down to the goal line. Stop them in the red zone. You know before they get close enough where they can just pound it and and, and get it in tight there at the end. Uh, the Steelers have been really good as a red zone defense. I think we're fifth or we're, we're top five in the NFL and red zone defensive, like red zone percentage for, for defense, for how much we give up touchdowns. We're top five. That's the saving grace of this defense is we just don't give up touchdowns in the red zone as much as other teams do. 
Uh, and that's, that's you're going to have to do it again. You're going to have to take Nick Chubb when he is rolling, when he does get him down the field, when they get to that, you know, when they get inside the 20, when they get to that red zone, make it about Baker Mayfield. Jam that box, make Baker Mayfield beat you. When you can kind of play Minka up a bit and not have to worry about getting beat deep, it, it makes everything better. Get it done there because because this team is not going to just shut down Nick Chubb. You've got to find your ways, make your situational plays. When you have an opportunity to end a drive, do it. The Cleveland Browns have injuries on their offensive line, but they have some guys back as well. This is a pretty good unit, and we know that because of Nick Chubb. But if I'm not mistaken, Conklin is out again. Yeah. I and so, so who, it's hard to keep up with their injury report. It's all over the place. So who on that offensive line needs to keep it together? Or are they too patchwork at this point? For the Browns? Yes. Uh, I think JC Treaders is big. They're getting him back this week. That is big. Um they that's that's part of the problem though. They they are constantly rotating people out. Uh, one of the things I talk about each week in my snap count article is is you know did how can much how consistent were the Steelers on their offensive line snaps? Were they able to keep those guys in there? You know most of the game. That's a big deal. It, it really is big. Even if the guys aren't good, if they're playing together and they're experienced together, that matters. And this Browns team has not been able to put those five guys on the field together. Uh, You've got to, you've got to get the interior together. I think Treader will be a big part of that, and I, I think this offensive line is going to be better simply because the interior of the line is going to have it have be together and, and maybe get some momentum going. Uh, I mean, we've seen that with the Steelers when the interior of our offensive line isn't doing well, which they haven't been for for quite a while here. The offense just can't get going. OBJ is gone. And he's been gone for, what, six or seven weeks now at this point. You know Jarvis Landry is there, and he's he's been tough against the Steelers, and he's one of those guys. He plays very emotional. He's a very emotional player, but he is tough. He he makes a lot of combat, combat catches as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of those guys that has stepped up as well, and you still have a lot of a threat when it comes to the tight ends. There's you've got your Najokus, your Austin Hoopers, and even the kid that I number 88. He was from Florida Atlantic or South Florida. And I why do I keep forgetting this guy's name? Because I had him on my fantasy team too. But he was a Harrison, Harrison, Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant. They, there, there we go. So Harrison Bryant is one of those guys as well. So who Baker is throwing to is important. But on this team, who's the guy you got to stop? In the as as a receiver, it's it's absolutely right now Donovan Peoples Jones. It's Donovan Peoples Jones, and and I'm a I'm a Donovan Peoples Jones fan. I liked him when he was at the University of Michigan. I that's that's my college team. I'm from Michigan. Love the guy. Uh, he is having a great season. I just, I just want to say this is this is the difference in between him and Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. had a 50% catch rate this season, and he was averaging 13.6 yards per reception. Donovan Peoples-Jones is at 17.3 yards per reception and at 57.1 catch percentage. So he's catching farther down the field, making bigger plays per, per catch. Uh, than Odell Beckham Jr. And he's catching at a higher rate. He's at almost 10 yards per target this season. Donovan Peoples-Jones is averaging almost 10 yards per target. He's a big one. He is not their leading target. He's not their, their guy getting the most targets. But he has really come on for them. He has been very dangerous. Uh, it's kind of like when Chase Claypool was getting going in, in 2020. When he was really starting to have some good games, putting them together, Donovan Peoples-Jones is having that kind of impact for the Browns. He is the number one guy uh, the Steelers have to stop on their offense. And our very own Andrew Wilbar loves this guy. I, I know he does. And he never – one good thing about Andrew Wilbar is he's always going to let us know when he, when somebody that – he has picked. Now he scouted. He scouts like seven hundred and fifty guys a year, a draft. But 
when one of those guys makes a play and has a good week, he's like, oh yeah, I called it. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, I, I, I'm kidding. I'm joking. But this kid is, uh, when we get into the draft stuff and especially on, on the uh, website, you got to check out his articles and who he projects because he is right. Now he always calls it, but after the fact, but he's right. I mean, he is very good at what he does. So I want to say that, and I do it tongue in cheek because I'm having a good time with him, but uh, he's asking for credit from DPJ for DPJ right now, but he is a Michigan fan too. And which I think we should fire him just for that because he roots for a Harbaugh. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm a Michigan guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Oh gosh! So if you got if you if you Dave and Jeff can live in Baltimore, we can root for Michigan. Uh, yeah, but we're we're diehard Maryland. Steelers. We're 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 <laughs> we're bucking the system here, you know. Yeah. Um, Behind enemy lines. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, let's go over the line, and let's talk about that defense. So there's they have made some upgrades over the year. You know, if TJ Watt is not the defensive player of the year, there's a very good chance that Miles Garrett is. I really think that the uh, the Aaron Donald uh, um, monopoly on the award is going to end this year for a little bit. I'm not saying it's over because that guy's phenomenal too. But I really would think it's one of those two guys right now. And it very well could be what happens in the next two games or what even happens in this game with uh, them, even though they're not going head to head, but they're on the field at the same, they're on the field in the same game. You very well could see your DPOY here. Miles Garrett, you take him away. They don't have a defense. There's a lot of guys on that defense that are good, but he's the heart, soul and brains of this outfit, isn't he? He he really is. He's the best player on there. Uh, he's on the he he's used very differently than TJ. Uh, the Steelers use TJ as just this absolute athletic weapon that you can't uh, defend. And also, we we use him in ways that make it hard to double team, and we kind of gear our defense to to make it very hard for people to go after TJ Watt and really focus on him. Cleveland's more the opposite. They they just line Miles up and are like, Miles is going to dominate. You're going to shift help to Miles Garrett, and and everyone else is going to have a, you know an easier job because of it. Uh, and Miles Garrett still produces, still produces. I I until this season, I last year said I thought Miles Garrett last year was better than T.J. Watt. Uh, I, I he was. He played better than T.J. Watt this year. TJ has turned it up to a whole new level. This is a different player than he even was last year. Uh, TJ Watt's just amazing this year. Uh, and he, he's in, clearly, in my opinion, the defensive player of the year. But Miles Garrett has been a big one. Uh, Jadavian Clowney has worked well as kind of the Bud Dupree to, to, to Miles Garrett's TJ Watt, you know, kind of just given another athlete on the other side so that if, you know, you you don't leave Jadavion Clowney unblocked. You you if he beats a guy one on one, he's going to run down your quarterback pretty fast. He's got speed. He can really defend the run. He is a darn good run defender. Uh, there's a guy, the Malik McDowell, they brought in when he when he's playing. He's really good uh, defensive tackle. They've got some, and they've got depth too. Uh, they brought in Tacker Takaris McKinley. They, they've got a good rotation there. Win. It's healthy. Uh, they haven't had those guys all together very, you know, often in this these recent this recent stretch of games. But they do have a good defense, and it it runs through their defensive line. They did a lot to upgrade that defensive front. Uh, Miles Garrett leads the way, but they do. I absolutely agree. They have some other guys that really, really make that work, and that's something. If you look at the Steelers side. TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward don't have, and and the Browns the Browns really filled out that defensive line with a lot of quality depth and other players to to help out Miles Garrett, and it's worked. Their 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 defense has been good. You've got the 2014 number one pick overall in Clowney, who you just mentioned. You have the 2017 number one pick overall 
and Miles Garrett on this team. And you have the 2018 number one pick overall in Baker Mayfield on this team. How do the Steelers beat this team? Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll just say that that all the talent in the world, you still got to win. You still got to know how to win. And one thing I think the Steelers have that the Browns don't is from the coaching staff down to guys like Cameron Hayward, TJ Watt, they've got guys who know how to win. They have that legacy. They have, and I mean, obviously I just left out because I was talking defense, but they've I left out Ben Roethlisberger, who obviously uh, knows a thing or two about winning in the NFL. They have that. The Browns are trying to build that, but you can you can see with Baker Mayfield, you can see with their defense, you can see how Miles Garrett will disappear late in the game. You can see how they react when they're frustrated. Like you'll see Cam Hayward react to a ref, like when the ref makes an obvious no call or, or just blatantly bad call where he'll walk towards them. He'll have his hands out, like, what are you calling? But you look at his face, it's it's got some determination, it's got some fire in there, and he's more like, like, don't what are you, you know. What's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You will often see with Browns players when they get a, a call like that, when it, you know, that, that, that the no call on that interception against Green Bay towards the end of the game, all, all those things, you'll see them kind of get that face like, oh man, not again. Like they, they start to, it starts to weigh on them differently than the Steelers. And I think that's the key is when the Browns face adversity and when the Steelers face adversity, the Steelers have an, still have enough players that, that know how to win. They have enough connection to winning and enough culture left uh, that they they stick the course. They stay to the course. Uh, it doesn't mean they're they're good enough to turn it around all the time because frequently they're not. But they still have that mindset. They still have that mentality. They still have some heart to them that I, I don't think the the Browns have successfully built yet. All right, so let's bring in a, one more super chat from Sean Manahan, $5. Let's get a short yardage package together to use Cam Hayward as a runner on offense. Would you do that? I, I I actually jokingly was calling for that earlier in the season when he led the team in interceptions and uh, passes defended. Cameron Hayward was leading the Steelers in, in interceptions and passes defended. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, he's still number one in passes defended. He is still number one in passes. He only has one interception, Minka Fitzpatrick and Akella Witherspoon has two. But he has seven passes defended. That's the most on the Steelers. Like, that's Cam Hayward. Like, so, yeah, if he can do everything on defense, why not? He's running down wide receivers on big plays. Like, he, they make a catch downfield. You'll see other guys jogging after him. Cam Hayward runs down and tackles him. Uh, it, it's incredible. He's he's everywhere on the field. Uh, they could they could use you know four or five more guys like him. But I would I would hey I'd put him on offense. I'd do it. Let's would that put him, in, put him in there with Najee? Let him be a fullback. Let Cam Hayward just go up there and sock somebody in the mouth on offense. Would that break the Yinzer net? It would. You know you this is how you would you would create a highlight for all time if you put Cameron Hayward in at fullback and ran him straight at Miles Garrett. You know, it is like Cam Hayward trucks Miles Garrett to the ground and Najee Harris scores a touchdown. It would break, it would break Steelers Nation. It would, it would, they would just go insane. It would be the best. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to uh, copyright my Yenzernet t shirts because I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be great. Break the Yenzernet. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, do you do this? I know, I know you have your guest give a prediction. Now, you're technically not the guest, but you are because you're our Browns expert tonight. So do you want oh, to yeah. get a prediction on this game? Oh, you're gonna to have to give one too. Michael and I both do. So you're gonna to have to give one. Or do you do you have to do you have to do we save yours for later, don't you? I need to save mine for yeah. tomorrow uh night on the, the preview. So yeah, I'm gonna go right. ahead and do that. I, I will give you a spoiler. I'm doing it again. I the the homer in me keeps on saying that the Steelers are going to win, so I just like the way everything's shaking out. So I'm going to just say the W. I'm not going to give a score yet. All right, I I I've been calling for it and they haven't done it yet. Uh, that this is the game. The Steelers get a defensive touchdown against the Browns. This is the game. It finally happens. 
Uh, and that's going to help break the game open. I'm thinking the Steelers win this one 24 to 14. Ooh. And uh, as which is which is a bunch as, as much of a blowout as we're going to see from this Pittsburgh Steelers team is <laughs> a two score win. But uh, yeah, the I'm going 24 14 Steelers. I think we see a couple of turnovers for the Browns. Uh, the Steelers, I think, are going to put them in some bad things. They're going to get the team to push. Their coaches, when when push comes to shove, are going to go away from Nick Chubb and lean on Baker Mayfield. The man is not healthy. He's not playing well. And we're going to see the Steelers take an interception to the house, or he's going to try and push things and run around and scramble. And T.J. Watt's going to strip that football, and someone's going to take it back. Uh, 24-10 is my prediction for the Steelers. 24-14, sorry, is my prediction for the Pittsburgh Steelers win over the Cleveland Browns sweeping them, knocking them out of the playoffs. And I think, I think not only is it Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field, it's his last game against the Browns, and it's Baker Mayfield's last game as a Cleveland Brown quarterback against the Steelers. Whoa, looking out for the uh, Vinny Vega bold statement there. I love it. So let me do this real quick. Yesterday, the NFL lost a legend, and we lost a legend in the Steelers-Raiders rivalry, with it being John Madden at the age of 85. So for all of us here at BTSC, I just want to say that, uh, you know, uh, God bless the legacy of John Madden. For those of you that know him as just a name on a video game, man, you need to go ahead and dig deeper because this guy was something else and something special. So in honor of John Madden, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing here, Jeffrey Benedict, and I'd like you to put a player on the side of the Madden Cruiser one last time. So who is going to be the MVP of this game on the side of the Madden Cruiser? On the side of the Madden Cruiser for this game going to be i'm gonna go minka fitzpatrick very minka well Fitzpatrick on the side of it and you know john madden was one of those guys that we always know the guy who who made monday night football what it was was howard cosell started it but john madden kept it going for so many years just absolutely amazing and uh, yeah i know uh he was the one guy that that spoke out every year against the immaculate reception because he still doesn't <laughs> believe in that, but he, yep. he's supposed to, he was on the other side, but uh, he, he it, made it easy to hate the Raiders, man. It was one of those guys that was like, he, he, you, you knew he was good, but he was good in a way that you could hate. And I, the John Madden was that guy. And, but you got, I think you said, you have to respect his role. Fantastic coach. It's a great part of that rivalry and a, a great commentator. Great for the game of football. You know, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but he's a Hall of Fame contributor. And if anybody should be in there twice as a contributor, it's also John Madden for what he did all of those years. Because you got to remember, he coached less than 10 years. I believe it was nine. Yeah. And one of the reasons was to be with his family because he was afraid to fly. He hated getting on a plane, and that's why the Madden Cruiser came out. There are so many. I've read so many books by him. He's just, just an absolute legend. And if you don't know much about him, just go and check it out. And as Sean Manahan just put it here, and boom, right there. <laughs> that's uh, you would oh every every time you would hear boom right right there. And if I'm not mistaken, the very last football game called by john madden was super bowl 43 steelers yep. over the cardinals i believe that to be true if i'm wrong please let me know no, well, no that that's absolutely true the last call the last play he called was uh i believe lamar woodley sacking uh kurt warner Wow. How about that? Now, now I got to go check that out because i i have a copy of that on dvd so with that being said Thank you so much, Jeffrey. This was a blast to be on the show. I think this is one of the, the great shows on our network. I cannot do what Michael Beck does, but I got to tell you what, I'm uh, so glad that he gave me the opportunity. Uh, get well, Michael. We'll see you next week. He'll be in this spot. We'll be talking to somebody from the Baltimore Ravens. 
So, Jeffrey, have a fantastic night, my friend. You too. You too, man. All right. For GB, I'm a BAD. And this has been Know Your Enemy. If it wasn't a copyright infringement, I'd be playing some Green Day right now. But for both of us here and all of us at BTSC, let's go Steelers. Grab that terrible towel and start rooting. Oh, how it rips me, beloved, makes me live for tomorrow.